When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Frank Benali. This is Klaus Lundekram. I'm Matt Letitia. Dean Hammond's here. And you're listening to In That Number. Here is Letitia. with me, Kevin, the Moscow Mush Milverton, and Ray Hunt. Find me on Twitter at Moscow Mush, and my co-host Ray Hunt at Ray Hunt 84 Follow the show at Number Podcasts on Twitter, in that Number Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. If you've got any questions for the show, if you can be bothered, send us an email to inthatnumberpodcast at gmail.com. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Share, subscribe, and give us good vibes. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of In That Number. This is episode 168. Uh, another difficult week for Saints, suffering on and off the field. Uh, Ralph still under immense pressure and our head of recruitment, Joe Shields, uh, looks like he's joining Chelsea after just four months here. So things appear to be unravelling. Uh, but we need to keep the faith. And today we will discuss a Sunday afternoon showdown with West Ham. Uh, and ask the important question, has this valuable point saved Ralph for the time being, or are the board preparing for a new man to come in? We will also preview the busy week ahead as we prepare for Bournemouth and Arsenal. So with me today, we have both the Moscow Mush, Kevin Milverton and Tim Bizance, T. Bizzle, uh, to break down all of this and more. So, Kevin, firstly, how are you? Uh, yeah, fine. How was the mood? Middling. <laughs> Ah, oh, good. Uh, and how how's your week been? Uh, again, middling. I'm just <laughs> in a bit, a bit of a stew. I don't know. Ah, <laughs> oh, and the football's not helping. That's what a shame. Um, yes, yes. I, 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 do you know, I didn't want to go to the football yesterday. It's the first time this season that I just thought, really? oh, yeah, I just thought I just can't be bothered to go. I just don't want to. I know what's going to happen. But um, I dragged my, my sorry ass down there anyway. And um. Yeah, it was the first 20 minutes was fun. And then after that, yeah, it was the same old, same old shit. But yeah, uh, I'll keep going back. Don't worry. But yeah, I'm fine. To ask before I forget, what, what was the atmosphere like? It was good, actually. It felt good. And it actually had me in a good mood when I sat down in my seat and I could see 
everybody seemed to be united and, and <laughs> no pun intended uh but yeah everyone seemed to be up for it and I, as soon as i sat down and and it was all you know coming up the tunnel i thought you know what i'm i'm so gutted that i predicted a 1-1 because i think saints are going to take them um but yeah <laughs> so yeah no i thought the atmosphere was good i mean i don't know how it sounded for you but i i thought it was um i thought it was cracking yeah it's uh, the, the usual you know uh, sporadic i went the saints and then you know, big chew and the goal went in, but yeah, other than that, I don't know. It's, 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 it's difficult really to fathom what 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 it's like. The ground. There. Yeah, I was curious really about how it was going to go and you know whether they start to boo, but no, I think they booed they booed at full time. Yeah, it wasn't really loud though, was it? No, it was loud for me. It was all around <laughs> me, but yeah, but yeah, it was um to be expected, I suppose, after that second half performance. Um. But Tim, we're bringing Tim in because, Tim, you've had a really busy week outside the world of football, haven't you? Yeah, things are pretty crazy nonetheless over here, uh, North Carolina. But uh, I get to be moving home. Well, I'm originally from the Chicago area, uh, born and raised. And after six years in North Carolina, I'll be moving at the top of the, uh, well, I guess the top of the year. I'll be there full time back to Chicago. No, uh, you have to say goodbye to the to the new house. Yeah. Bought it two years ago, so it'll be we'll go find someplace new and make ourselves back at home, and it'll be closer to family. Both are uh, my wife and I were from there, and so our family's all there, and it just it just it just felt natural, and it was it was the right time, and I it was most of all the right opportunity as well uh, professionally. Yeah, well, that's good. That's good news. I'm pleased for you, and and it's going to be really really uh. A really busy period for you as well. I mean, I know I I um I actually got married and I moved house around Christmas time and that was yeah a stressful time for me. So I know uh you, you've got it all coming. So yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. It'll be a we've got the World Cup break and then uh just, there'll just be a lot going on. But I think it'll 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 work out for the best of us since we'll have some natural time off with the holidays and with American Thanksgiving. Right. Anyway, before we go further, uh, if you appreciate what we do. Uh, and you'd like to buy us a coffee, then please head to buymeacoffee.com forward slash in that number. Uh, you can also become uh, an official member as well for exclusive offers. So go and check them out. Uh, yes, news. Before we hit the news, though, Kevin, I want to talk about yesterday, the, the, the draw, not the win that we desperately needed and Ralph more so. Um, but what's this point done for him moving forward? Nothing. No. Yeah, I think he's done absolutely nothing. I think he's in exactly the same position he was before. Fresh is still oh. on, but it's not critical. No, see, I, I disagree. I think he would have been sacked had we lost. I said that last week, and I think this has kept him in for a while. This, this, this has brought him another. I think this has brought him another six days. And you, oh, well, okay. Yeah, I think Wednesday night's going to be the real test of um, uh, yeah, his, his future. Okay. Well, on that then, Tim. Um, He's safe for now. Uh, well, as we, I mean, I, I'm assuming he is. He hasn't gone while well, we're recording, has he? Um, will Sport Republic allow him to see out both Bournemouth and Arsenal games, regardless of the results? I think that they would be in a wrong place to to have sacked him today, and then they have a game on Wednesday and then a game on Sunday. I don't think that would have been ideal. Uh, I think not he, unless they've got somebody in place already. Yeah, but I don't think they would they would be doing that. I I really think it'd be if they're going to maybe even after the Arsenal game, but they're they're truly trying to and hoping probably hoping to wait out all the way until the World Cup. Uh, there'll be a lot of fixtures after the World Cup. There'll be a flurry of uh, a flurry of opportunities to succeed, whether if it's Ralph or somebody else in the role. Uh, but I think uh, I think they're they're using that as going to be a natural stop uh, stopgap and uh, and talking points that for six weeks they'll be able to say okay uh, and then what's uh, what start the next season up and they can create uh, you know a season that's actually two seasons and separating them. Okay, well well let me ask you both this question. I'll start with you first, Kevin. Worst case scenario, right? We go and lose to Bournemouth on Wednesday night. And then we lose to Arsenal on Sunday. Is that enough? Is he gone? Uh, I mean, it, yeah, it, I don't know how patient and how tolerant that the management's going to be. Um, I think, yeah, if we have two embarrassing losses against uh, Bournemouth and Arsenal, then it, like, the RSC could be it, really, couldn't it? 
All right, on the flip side, say we go and beat Bournemouth and then lose to Arsenal. Do you think that puts us right back to where we are today? Yeah. Yeah, and there's three more matches before the World Cup. I said, you know, I'd give them towards, uh, I'd give them until the World Cup, whatever happens. So we lose everything, and that's it. You give them to the World Cup. And Tim, do you echo that? Yeah, I think I think he's gonna get. They're gonna keep him to the through the World Cup. I I really just see it as a tale of two seasons that's separated into one, and from there, um, to me, it, it's a different talking point. Where if you see the draw against West Ham, now let's go look backwards and say, okay, let's say that we got a draw against Everton and then we beat Wolves. We would be four points ahead of where we're at. And if you look at the table and the position and how cluttered it is at the bottom, we'd be somewhere around 13th or 14th. And everybody would say, oh, well, that's, a, you know, it's expected that we get, would have gotten a draw against West Ham. They're an equal minded team. But because mm. we've missed some of these opportunities, a loss to Villa, a loss to Everton, a loss to Wolves, where if we got three or four points more than where we're currently at, we would have been in 12th place uh, and where I'm sorry, not 12, 12 points and 12 points is a whole lot different than eight. If you see the table right now, yeah. looking at it, um, it's just these one, these one games here and there, where if you expected and said at the beginning of the season, Oh, are we going to draw West Ham at home? Yeah. That'd probably be a likely opportunity, but it just stacks up and adds up all, overall. And it's just starting to wear on the fans. And I think it's starting to wear on Ralph and, um, and I don't know if it's wearing on the players, but it's pretty it's not the best situation that we're currently in. No, and it just goes to show how unpredictable Saints are. You know, you go and beat Chelsea and you get you get beat by Everton at home. It's just you don't know what Saints is going to turn up, which. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just an up and down season once again for us, isn't it? Um, right, guys, uh, we're going to hit the ITN news. This is ITN in that number news. Okay, uh, let's hit the ITN news with something positive because that's what we're doing here. We're being positive, yeah? Uh, Romeo Lavia is nearing a return and could see him return to action for the Palace game. Uh, The Bournemouth and Arsenal games next week appear too early for him, but uh, this is a massive positive. And Tim, the the, the last bit of action he saw was that 2-1 win over Chelsea in which, you know, he went off injured in. Um, you know, he started the first five Premier League games where we picked up seven points and then we've lost all four since his absence. Picked up a point yesterday, of course, but it's hard to believe that an 18 year old making his first Premier League appearance has proved to be so important to this team. Yeah, he's been or was the standout performer for us. So when if you look at last year, who was the you know, who was the representative or the 18 year old that came into the team and uh, made headway? That was Tino Livermento. And. Without him at the end of the last season, whether or not you think he was the actual like the the godsend, the the next best good right right back for England, uh, we look we looked like death without him, and so we haven't had any level of significant amount of success. And with him out at defensive mid, where Romeo filled in that gap, um, we're we're obviously and truly missing that as a part of the that cog in the wheel. So. Uh, I am excited for him to come back because not so much for the fact that he's 18 years old, but we damn need a, a central, central midfielder who's going to be really good and can help us out right now. Yeah, I think that was crucial in yesterday, Kev, because we, we saw how much we sat back. I know we were going to sit back against Man City, but how we sat back in that second half yesterday and gave the uh, midfield of, what was it, who was it, Suchek and, and Rice so much time and space there. You get those people, those important people back in your your central midfield, and it could, uh, yeah, it could be all the difference. I think. Um, just on on that point before we move on, I think yeah, I've got some stats that kind of just show how crucial that. Uh, oh, perfect! Oh, I, I love it. I love it. Um, so ten games we've played, five with Lavia and five without. Mm-hmm. Um, with Lavia, we had two wins, seven points, uh, scored seven goals, and conceded nine. And without Lavia. Um, we've won none. We've got one point just against West Ham, uh, scored two goals and conceded nine. So, yeah, at least superficially. It's, it's massive, isn't it? But then it also coincides with uh, uh, Romeo leaving as well. Yeah. That's, they that's tried a... to shoe on Ainsley making Niles into that kind of Romeo role. Uh, 
and Diallo. Yeah, with, with varying degrees of success. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, uh, Kevin, moving on from Lavia, hopefully, you know, as I say, we, we'll get him back uh, for that Palace game. Uh, Joe Shields, this is not good, is it? This situation here, uh, four months at the club, Chelsea come calling and, you know, that's it. They came calling for Lavia as well. They did, yeah. They can keep their hands off. It's a strange one. I mean, not so much that, um, you know, Chelsea are poaching uh, our talent, but just the, the way that it's happened and uh, that um, Joe Shields has gone about it. It's, um, yeah, it's very strange that the story was sort of leaked to the press apparently before the management at Southampton knew anything about it. So, as punishment for that, he's been banished from Stapleford. Yeah, I, I read that. Yeah, I thought that was um, that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, I don't know whether it's just this is just like, oh, I've got to do what's best in my career or if something has gone drastically wrong at the club. I, I, I don't know. I, we, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But Ralph said it's not a big loss to the club because his impact wasn't the biggest. I don't know if Ralph's just playing that down in a way to shout out the noise and, and you know, so he can concentrate on, on the job at hand and, and the West Ham game. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I think, you know, he'll be judged on the young Man City players that he's helped bring in. And, in and, my... take, and take away. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least uh, not until January at the least, anyway. Oh, um, good. So he gets six months of a dozy and, and Larios, and that's it, yeah. I think, you know, the jury's out on most of those players. I think you've got to look at the end of the season before we say how successful that transfer window's been. But um, I think, yeah, it'd have to be quite foolish to argue that you didn't play any part in that at all. Uh, and, and Tim, I mean, I don't know how you feel about this, but to me, it seems like there's a lot more going on behind the scenes than, than we're led to believe. Or, like I said, is it just the case of, oh, the law of Chelsea is too great to refuse? I think that Chelsea with Todd Bailey, who's the Los Angeles Dodgers owner who came in, has caused an uproar within the team itself. And I actually think it's an anomaly that he found that Joe Shields and he Todd Bailey comes in and says, I'm going to whip, you know, I'm going to whip my whip around and I'm going to get what I want. He comes in and throws down however many billion dollars for the group. He then he comes in and says, I want Slap, Leslie Fox. Slaps his dick out on the boardroom table. And you said it, not me. Boys. <laughs> yeah, you said it, not me. But uh, <laughs> the point being is he comes in. All right. I want Wesley Fofana. I'm, I'm going to bulldoze my way and I'm going to get Marco Correa. I'm going to get what I want. And he says that Joe Shields was the guy for him because at Man City, he was able to develop talent. And so he went out and bought a bunch of players, and then he said, I want to go and develop the best academy. And what did, who does he look at? He goes to Man City, and he recognizes that Joe Shields was the guy who developed that. They felt that he was easier to pick off at because he just got to Southampton. They could, he, could, he could just come in there and bulldoze his way and get what he wants. Joe Shields saw the opportunity and said, well, I'm going to make you know, a million and a half more pounds doing this job than, uh, than working in Southampton. Let's let's do it. I'm going to go for it. And, you know, it's not necessarily him against his own morals and obligate. He doesn't have an obligation to the team. It's a job. And so after four months and coming in, he's getting headhunted. He gets pulled out. And Ralph is right to say he didn't make a difference because he was there for one window. Yes, he has to be instrumental in bringing those Man City players. But ultimately, what is the long-lasting effects that he was going to be able to make? Well, we really w won't know because Joe Shields is now at Chelsea, and we got bulldozed by Todd Bailey. And if it's a part of the downstream effect of us getting relegated, well, it'll be scary to think about. Uh, but right now, uh, everybody gets what they want except for us. <laughs> yeah, that's usually the, that's usually the way, isn't it? I mean, in a sense, I can see where Ralph is coming from. You know, you, you have a long-term plan and you couldn't implement everything because it was so short-lived. But, you know, he didn't get the time. It's not ideal, but it's not a disaster. Well, in, in a way as well, Tim, I'd like, I'd like to think that it was that the case that you just said, like someone coming along and, and just saying that this is, this is who we want, rather than them having a fallout with... Ralph or with anything that's going on at the football club at the moment doesn't buy into what we're trying to do and he just decided you know I need to move on straight away so in a way that I'm, I'm, I'm I, I hope it is that so it, that is the story behind it but again we'll never know that 
Um, but more more bad news. The bad news continues. Uh, so much for being positive. Uh, this time in the shape of uh, Armel Belakotchat and a shoulder dislocation. Um, the same four to six weeks. That was the official announcement anyway. That is a massive blow for us because I, I think, in my opinion, I think there's probably a lot that share as well. He's been the brightest spark this season. Um, and if his World Cup chances were slim to none anyway, what's this this setback going to do for his chances of making that Germany squad? The World Cup is five weeks away still, so four to six weeks. If that is indeed the time frame, it's not going to be enough, is it? He's not going to be match fit for the World Cup. And they probably, I mean, they're not lacking options in Germany, are they? So it's probably not going to do him any good. No, at least it's clear anyway. Yeah, but taking himself out. <laughs> And the manager hasn't got that important decision to make. Who's going to partner uh, Rudiger at the, at the World Cup? So from what we know, that's his first shoulder dislocation. And if uh, a little bit about shoulder dislocations is that once you get one, you're, the likelihood of you of getting one again in the future is uh, much, much higher. Just like if you get a recurrent, you know, an injury on a hamstring or a quadricep, uh, quadriceps, for example, uh, you're likely to injure that further. So for them, seeing what is truly necessary, uh, we saw him hold up on that couch. I don't think he went in and had surgery for it, but I did think he had did have a full uh, evaluation from the uh, from the physios. And checking that out uh, with four to six weeks, the timeline seems a little bit longer than I would expect for it. Um, but it also depends on the level of the shoulder dislocation. And what truly happened? I went back and it didn't it looked inconspicuous what type of the injury, because when he fell, he fell on his left shoulder, not even on his right. Yeah. Um, something something with Skamaka. I mean, it, it, I don't know if you got that's very, a really very first, innocuous. Yeah. Yeah. And also, if you, you didn't look at Skamaka, Skamaka is one big, bad looking motherfucker like that guy. Yeah. That guy is scary with all of his tattoos. But then yeah, you want to you want to see him in the boxing ring with uh, Lianko, don't you? <laughs> yeah, between between his size and then because Belakacha is massive too. Yeah, he's a big dude. Yeah. So these are two big guys, and then it was completely inconsistent. Like whatever, like he because he reached around with his right arm over, you know, to bring to try to uh, to cover Skamaka and give him a little bit off, and then all of a sudden it just like it just there there was a subtle movement there, and he's just like I knew something was wrong, and I saw that I'm like, how, like what, like what did he like. I initially thought it was a collarbone where like a pure collarbone break, but uh, you could tell by his reaction quickly because if it was a collarbone break, he would have been in a lot more pain than what he was. Honestly, so, I thought he was faking it because um, Packeter had a head of a post straight afterwards. And I thought, oh, he didn't he didn't make the tackle on Scamacher. So he thought, all right, I'm going to just go down injured and hopefully the ref blows up. That was my first one. So I, thought, I, couldn't, I couldn't see anything. It was right in front of me as well. But. Yeah, it's just in, in, innocuous and horrible. Yeah, because there's three different kinds of diff- dislocations. There's the anterior, the posterior, and oh geez, off the top of my head, it's the, probably the uh, the inferior. So it's basically forward, back, or bottom. And uh, because they didn't, and you were uh, you were at the game, so you might have seen what type of care they were given, but they completely uh, took took away the. No, I was too busy throwing chewing gum at Declan Rice. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> You could, I mean, with his hair there, you could have probably easily got it stuck in there. It's so big right now. <laughs> um, but seeing what he, seeing what happened, because they they initially announced, at least on the on the Peacock stream, that he they were bringing out the um, uh, they bringing out the oxygen. So if there's a, that's a, any general to control for shock, and I was really curious to know what they were doing because. I, you know, I was curious to know, and then I realized quickly that they're adjust, they they recognized there was a dislocation immediately, pop it back in, whatever whatever is needed, since it was only out for a short period of time, and then they give him his own little put his put his arm in the splint there, and they'll eventually cut they'll they'll go back into the um, in the dressing room and cut his shirt off completely, uh, and then splint him up. Um, so. I'd have to take a look again to see what it was, but there's different uh, types of shoulder dislocations. And I think a forward, traditional forward dislocation, um, it, it just makes sense where it becomes the the arm becomes in front of the shoulder. Oh, just lots of fun. And uh, the curiosity for someone who has that type of background, uh, that's what I, I, I like to know and see. Right. Yeah. The low knees then. Where are we? Oh. 
uh, Will Smallbone scored his first goal for Stoke uh, in their 2-0 win at Preston. So congrats to Will. And also Dinal Simeu scored his first goal uh, as Tranmere won 3-0 at home to Crewe. So yeah, the, the Lonies are, are scoring and a defender scoring as well. He's having a bloody good season as well, Simeu. He's not picking up yellow cards and he's um he's getting players of the match and he's getting goals. So good stuff. Um, yes, that's it for the Lonies. Uh, birthdays, Kev, we had uh, Lagod, Matt Letizier. His birthday was on Friday. How old is Matt Letizier? Better not get this wrong. He's 52. Ah, he's 54. 54. It's a good guess though, Kev. 54 years young. But yeah, nice. Uh, B team, the B team then. Oh, God, we have to talk about this as well, don't we? Um, Hampshire FA Senior Cup, uh, 5-2 loss against them lot. Uh, and it was a strong team for them. Well, I, was, I say strong, it's as strong as they could possibly do. Um, Ollie Lancashire saw red as well. And then Jimmy Morgan got both our goals. So he's had a good start to the season. So that's good. Um, and next up, they play uh, in the Papa John's Trophy against League Two's Newport County at Rodney Parade. And that is on Tuesday. Huh. Um, one thing about the B team also, I heard that um, Diamond Edwards, he's, he picked up an Achilles injury against Leeds and thinks he's out for the season. Uh, is he really? Yeah. You're joking. That Leeds game was ages ago. Well, yeah. I, I haven't even yeah, picked up. I'm dropping the ball here, aren't I? My goodness. Yeah. Cheers, Kev. Well done. Um, and the women, women, they uh, haven't played since that 2-0 loss to Coventry United, um, but they are back in championship action at home uh, to Birmingham City. And that's Monday the 17th, uh, and that's 7pm kickoff. So that's tonight. I would get myself down to the snow stadium, but I have to go to work at midnight. So I'm going to have to miss that one. Um, and the under-18s, again, no games for them also. Uh, and they play Norwich City in the Premier League under-18. Uh, and that's Saturday the 22nd. And that's at Staplewood, 11 o'clock. Right then, uh, with that, we go into West Ham then. Um, yeah, going in, we dropped into the relegation zone. You know, terrible form, four losses on the spin, winning just two of our last 15 Premier League games. And yeah, of our last 10 home games, we've lost seven of them. So not good form at all. And of course, West Ham coming off two wins uh, to kickstart their season. Uh, Kev, two changes from the side that lost to City, only two. Uh, Mate and Niles in for Diallo and Elianusi back in for Stuart Armstrong. Uh, were you happy with that lineup? More or less. Um Lucy hasn't been fantastic this uh well this part of this season, I suppose. Um so you're not, you're not exactly gonna be excited about him uh, starting. Um uh, Mate Niles, it's like it's either him or Diallo. To me it doesn't really matter. So <laughs> yeah, it's a fairly strong lineup, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, apart from the Elianusi one, I was I was a little bit a little bit. I, as it turns out, quite warranted. I thought I thought he looked very good um, yesterday against West Ham. Okay. Um. And Tim, when I when I saw, I mean, I saw various lineups of how they were going to shape and and set up, and they all had four four two, and I think BBC had them four three two one. I predicted they'd probably go four two two two. Um, but one thing for sure, Adam Armstrong was definitely not playing up top with Jay Adams because he was here, there and everywhere. Yeah, I think it I think it's been slotted in as that four, two, three, one uh, mm. for the last little while. Uh, I think they've really stuck with that formation and they've had, the, you know, the fourth back two with AMN and JWP in that in those holding two and the three and the one. Uh, with a lot of rotations in that in the three in the attacking mids, and so on the on the on the two on the two on the outside, and then uh, the ten in the center, uh, with Adams purely up top as a as as an effective target man. As the goals, yeah, <laughs> and that didn't work. But yeah, uh, it was a good start though, Kev. I thought it was good anyway. We, we saved for some long shots from West Ham, I suppose. I mean, Skamaka had a, a two which scared the shit out of me, but um. But I thought it was all us, you know. I mean, I'm not looking. We had, we did have lots of possession. It wasn't as much as theirs, uh, as the halftime stats would prove. But we had eight total shots in the in the in the first half and seven on target. So massive improvements from from last game. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was it was 
I mean, barring the, you know, a few shots from West Ham at the beginning, um, I think yeah, t- towards the end of the half, it was all Southampton. I was quite disappointed that we went into halftime only one nil down. This is uh, one nil up, one nil up, mate. Jeez. Did I say down? You did, yeah. It's, just, <laughs> it's, it's a habit, right? It's flexed the moves, yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, yes. I mean, Skamaka was quite dangerous. Um, surprised that he, he didn't score. Well, has he has he scored? Yeah, he's been scoring quite a lot actually recently. I think he's been doing it in Europe, and um, I think he's what he's got four all season in all competitions now. Prior to yeah, prior to this game, he had he had three in a row. Uh, so hmm. uh, one for each game for the last three games, including the European games. But he didn't okay. he didn't yesterday. So yeah, he did a good job of holding him off. Yeah, um, Salisi has uh, to blame. I say blame. How dare you? Yeah, Salisi was uh, the credit for that. I think did well with him. Massive improvements anyway. From I, know, I mean I do. It wasn't it wasn't difficult to make an improvement on that uh, Man City game anyway. But uh, yeah, the goal then, 20 minutes, right? Perro, he loves a goal against West Ham. Scored his mm. only other goal against us as well. This one was full of controversy as well because yeah. we, we had we had talks of a foul throw uh, and then Peter Banks was getting in the way of Jared Bowen, which, by the way, I didn't see when I was there. I didn't didn't know it at all until I watched it back when I got home. Uh, and also it took a wicked deflection to go in. So lucky to get away with that one, Tim. There's two levels, I wouldn't say, of luck. So with the with the foul throw in, I mean, his heel was just on the line. So a little dangerous there. And having looked back initially, I thought it was a foul throw. Uh, so then you saw the right in front of the West Ham fans, they're all up and screaming. And then once again, we got lucky because the 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 ref was shielded off uh, Bowen there. So Perot was able to sneak in, grab it, and then took it, took his snapshot that he normally does and got a lucky deflection in. So is it based on luck? I think as a part of the entire buildup and for the seven shots that we had on goal, I think it's appropriate that we did score at least one. So in the in the scope of everything, in that exact situation, though, we were pretty lucky. And seeing all that, though, uh, Adams had a couple great shots uh, leading into it. But I think, I mean, I still think there's a little bit of potential opportunity for being more clinical. And we could have even done better than we did with the one goal going into the second half. Kevin Perot. <laughs> Peter Banks, what a great job. Brilliant. I didn't think it was that bad. Do you think if he was out of the way, then Bowen would have made a tackle on Perro? Potentially. (laughs) Who cares? Yeah. I I think think out of all the the shit that we've been through, then we deserve a little bit of it, right? It doesn't work like that, does it? But I mean, how harsh would that be for the ref to say, like, sorry, I got in the way. Uh, I'm going to chalk off that goal would have been even harsher to us wouldn't it yeah but but VAR looked at this apparently and they didn't see a problem with the with the throw I know a lot of West Ham fans took to Twitter straight away and said how have they looked at that again on VAR and still given the goal Um, I don't know if VAR were looking at the throw or if they were looking at Peter Banks but they're not going to say anything about the ref are they they're not going to say oh you know what mate you got in the way of that you need to turn that over yes we're going to send you off yeah, exactly. They weren't going to do that. So VAR just thought, you know, instead of opening the can of worms here, we're going to have to award this goal. So that's why I say a little bit lucky, but um, I feel like we deserve it. And yeah, and as Tim mentioned, we had the shots, you know, one of them had to go in, surely. Um, and, and it did. But we, we, Kev, we did continue to attack as well. And something we didn't do in the second half, but, you know, we did test Fabianski on many occasions actually and mm. Che had an effort that was saved and then the, the, the follow-up as well was saved by Fabianski but yeah yeah I think Adams he should have done better with the chances that he had I think if he'd have been on better form then we probably would have got into the break too now yeah I think he had three shots and three of them on target mm. I mostly yeah they were just straight at the referee straight at the referee <laughs> <laughs> straight at the key he's forming that block again isn't he yeah straight at the key yeah. stuck in oh. Um, and then, Tim, as we mentioned, Bella Kotchap went off injured. Um, we've already discussed this. And, you know, just 
I say landed awkwardly because he didn't even land on his on his right shoulder, which was weird. But but Tim, yeah, the, the halftime stats. I mean, I sent them to Kev as well because I was just I was a bit surprised actually because I I thought we had more possession than we actually did. Um, but we had eight shots, seven of them on target, one of them was blocked, and our passing was seventy five percent. That would dramatically decrease in the second half. But we defended well as well in the first half when we needed to. And Salisu was in control airily. I mean, he dealt with every one of their four first half corners. Um, and then as if by magic, it all turned sour in the second half and, you know, played defensive, not interested in possession, it seems, sitting back, allowing West Ham to attack. And apparently Ralph you know, couldn't guess what was coming. Yeah, we also got to remember that they weren't clinical as well. They seemed a little off and West Ham has the talent and uh, the build up, but they didn't have any subs going if in. They're not, the... But if they're not clinical and they're not going yeah. for it, then yeah. why don't we go for it? Why do we have to sit back and, and play like we've already won the game? Why can't we just get pressing and move out at them and actually give it a go? Because the pressing just died in that second half. And so many players looked tired. Eddie Lucy looked knackered. Arebo looked fucked. It was just sit back and let West Ham attack. Yeah, I think what uh, Southampton General Hospital needs to sponsor the team and the fans because a lot of us are going to have a lot of myocardiac infarctions thanks to <laughs> everybody and being a, being a fan of this mean, team. I thought you meant because they'd sedated half of the squad. Yeah, <laughs> all, all of that. Now, overall, I think you're right. Why are you sitting back? What are the changes you make? Why are you becoming more conservative um, I think they were trying to maybe just take out a little bit of the oppor- knowing that the opportunities and they were going to push hard. Uh, they took out uh, Emerson for Ben Rama, who is a pure winger and took out a, a wing back. So maybe they wanted to counter counteract that. Uh, maybe they wanted to make some slight adjustments that because right before Declan Rice was about to score, they're going to bring Leonco on. And I think they're going to switch to five at the back. And they, and as soon as they let the goal in, they immediately took that out and had a had a completely switch. So they went for the 74th minute. Uh, they tried to get it even earlier for the for the quadruple or the yeah the quadruple switch. And uh, I think they might have also been prepping for a midweek game. I think they might have been looked ahead and said, well, mm-hmm. let's just try to get a result. Uh, we're going to play against Bournemouth, and so they're going to have to try and do what they can to maybe rotate and. Uh, looking ahead, is Che going to start? Uh, is it, it? I don't know. Is Adozi going to start? Maybe. Um, you know, who if there's going to be any type of rotation? Uh, maybe they won't. All of these different things and factors come into play. So I didn't like it. I think we ultimately we gave up that extra opportunity for the result, like you said. And I it, I hope though if we if you beat Bournemouth, then that's it's gonna it's gonna be a hard task since they've been playing well. Kev, I want to go back to that that Declan Rice goal. Um, just opened up. They just opened up, didn't they, for him and, and parted. Well, I, I say parted. They just they were just too deep. I mean, if you take a look, just as as Declan Rice has received the ball from his one-two, mm-hmm. there is no one on him. They no, are no. they are all inside the box waiting for a cross waiting to defend that cross and they're just allowing them to play it around and this is what I mean they're sitting back but they never did that in the first half why all of a sudden they don't now, is this Ralph saying that look because he's obviously had his halftime talk we need to sit back and defend this lead or is he just saying or is it the players that aren't listening to him I don't know I can't figure this out because okay yes it was a good finish and he bent it round and he kind of used um uh Adam Armstrong as a screen but when you sit back and you're inviting them to shoot, that's what they were doing in the first half. They were shooting. Why are you going to let them do that? Um, I mean, it's, uh, it's it kind of he wants to mitigate the risk and try, yeah, like you said, try and try and sit on the lead. Um, and yeah, it's kind of like a, a trap that we fall into. I thought on the the rice goal, um, Carl Walker Peters, I mean, he was really disappointing me in the second half. I uh, was beaten way too easily by Ben Rama. Mm. Um, yeah, all he has to do is just roll it back to Cresswell for that one too. But yeah, the amount of space that he's given there, considering that we're you know all all men back, how he gets half of the penalty area to play in just beggars belief. Yeah, it's and it continued because you know West Ham pressured and we sat back and seemingly unable to change things and it was just like 
Ralph, can you see what's happening here? Can you see that they are attacking and we are not? Whenever we get the ball, it was like the, like the Man City game again. We've got nobody out there that's going to run with it. I think Adam Armstrong had to. He, he was he was in our box. He won the ball and he ran the whole length of the field. No one with him. And he, then he ended up losing the ball. And again, we sit back, give them too much space. And it just continued. It's just what he does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, as uh, as Tim said, he made the four changes at once. That's not something you see every day. Uh, off went Adams, Armstrong, Aribo, and Maitland-Niles. And then on came Mara, Stu, Adozi, and Diallo. Bit of a mixed bag, this one, because I thought Adam Armstrong yeah. was brilliant. Um, I thought he was all over the place and doing what he could. Playing with some, you know, urgency and, and some fight. And, you know, he came off and I thought... Mm. Maybe Adams as well. I thought Chase. Yeah. Yeah. Ellie Nusa, you said he had a good game, but I thought he looked a bit tired around that point. And I, I, I when I, when I saw four players warming up or four players just about to go on, I was sure Ellie Nusi was going off. But you know, he he came on. Uh, he stayed on rather. Um, and then Mara come on once again. I don't think he did enough. And a dozy fine. Okay. I yeah no. I, I and a dozy. I want to see more of him. We all do. And. I think he had a moment when he was running down that left and went into the box and yeah did his best Gineppo impression. But there's there's kind of uh, excitement around him, so you know, and he gets away with it. So I just want to see more more of that, more of him. Or baby Stu, baby, yeah, baby Shay, Jesus, baby Shay, yeah. No, it's funny you say it. he was warming up because they, they say they warm up right in front of me, and uh, I only saw him from a side view, and I thought. I thought it was him. I thought he's. I thought he was on the field. And then I looked over and thought, no, it's a dozy. So yeah, baby Che, baby Che. Yeah. Um, Kev, I'm, I'm going to ask you for your stats in a bit, but I'm just going to take one, if I may. Uh, 14 corners for yes. West Ham. <laughs> so ten in the second half. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and we didn't concede. Okay, maybe we were a little bit lucky with that Pero tackle on Suchek for the for the mm. penalty, which Moyes is, is up in arms about, but. It's an improvement anyway. I mean, if someone had said to me pre-game that we'd face 14 corners, I thought we were going to lose 14-0. <laughs> but, you know, Salisi was a big part of that because he dealt with a lot of that. And that was that was massive for him. But, yeah, defending corners. Who knew? Yeah, and to say that we'd have 25 shots. They did, didn't they? Yeah. 25 shots. Yeah. And so come away with conceding just one goal. Yeah, but out of the 25 shots, only four of them are on target. Mm, and they all came in the second half as well. Well, fancy that, eh? Amazing. But yeah, um, rest of the stats, Kev. Um, yeah, possession. I mean, it was it was more even at half time. Yeah, forty three fifty seven. But um, by full time, it was thirty nine sixty one. That just goes to show what I said, isn't it? It's just like you backed off not and just ball. sat back. Yeah, it's just don't, not interested. Um, yeah. What else? Oh, um, XG. Uh, this is a tough one because say we've had 10 shots and eight of them on target but they weren't exactly clear-cut chances were they so i'd said ours would have been about what 1.4 something like that tim if you don't know what would you guess at that Mm. um i think 1.1.4 seems about right i think it would have been closer to closer to two so i'm gonna go with like 1.65 1.7 a couple of those chase shots were gonna be in the 0.4 to 0.5 range um, and then I don't think the pro shot would have been like 1.15 if that. Yeah, because uh, that took a deflection, didn't it? So that wasn't yeah. a good chance. Yeah. So I'm maybe maybe no 1.4 sounds about right. I'm gonna go. With, I'm I'm gonna concur. I'm gonna go with 1.4. Um, I've got here 0.44. Oh, you're oh. kidding me. <laughs> Obviously not good chances then. Uh, yeah. Okay. Wow. Amazing. Where are you getting the source, by the way? Um, I think this is on the beat. Oh. Uh, and what about West Ham's XG? Please don't tell me it was over 1.2. It was 1.45. No. Tim, summarise for us. An expected result, if you were to think at the beginning of the season, uh, a bad result when it looks like our previous, re- uh, previous last four or five games, knowing that we need to get points right now. Uh, I think a lacklustered West Ham team that can't, comes off a uh, Europa League battle and then for us to not take advantage of them being having an off day is ultimately going to potentially hurt us down the road. Um, like I said, if we were at 11 or 12 points right now, we would have been would be sitting at 13th in the 13th in the table versus sitting in the relegation spot. So 
this could all change against Bournemouth coming up, um, but we didn't lose, and so that's, I guess, a win for being <laughs> being a Saints fan. That's the best of probably we can hope for at this point. And let's hope things change. And uh, I would really like a result because we got Arsenal uh, on Sunday, and that is not going to be fun with the with the uh, form that they're in. Oh man, uh, top of the league, uh, four points clear of Man City. Um, let, I, I just don't. I want. I, we need something because we know that uh, Arsenal is going to be tough. Certainly is. And Kev, I mean. Not the end of the world, is it? It's a point. It's a vital one. We've got to take it. We had some good spells, um, had some luck, uh, good defensive efforts. Uh, but I'm going to have to say it, and I know people hate it, but points dropped from winning positions again. Um, add fuel to the fire that Ralph's in-game management isn't up to snuff. Um, second half just not good enough. and Still searching for that elusive clean sheet. The only team in the Football League not to have one. Um I guess West Ham felt like they should have won the game. Um, maybe they should have, but we have to take the point as a positive, I suppose. And we've ended that run of four defeats. So that has to be positive, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, you know, I think that's fair. Um, yeah, look, looking at the positives, um, yeah, the bright first half, yeah, a fairly poor second half, but... Uh, limited to them, them to just the, the one goal. We didn't completely collapse. We defended from set pieces reasonably well. Um, a few good performances uh, that we just need to carry on for the next game, I think. And uh, yeah, uh, It's like call it a spare in bowling. Like, yeah, it'll, it'll mm. it make the, the next game even more positive or even more negative, depending on the result. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, man of the match. I, I, I'm going to go first because I have a I have a few candidates. I think which is good. Uh, again, another positive. Uh, I think Silesi was solid. I say and mentioned him a few times already. Uh, and I've also mentioned Adam Armstrong's effort, and I thought he was outstanding just all over the place. Um, something that shouldn't go unnoticed as well. Um, and I really, really want him to continue in the lineup at, um, at Bournemouth. And I, to be honest, I think I'll be annoyed if, if Adam Armstrong's left out. I, I think I will, because I think he's deserved it, as long as he's, um, you know, had a, had a good rest. But my man of the match, I'm going to give it to someone we haven't actually mentioned yet. And I think it's um, going to go to the keeper, Bazunu. Um, I think he was great. I think he made some good saves. I mean, three of them, didn't he? He, he just looked comfortable as well. And he didn't put a foot wrong. He couldn't do anything about Rice's goal, I don't think. Couldn't see um, No. So I'm going to give it, and because I've, I've criticised him before, and I said I don't think he's quite ready for this yet, but he does have some good performances in him, and I think this one was one of them. So I want to give him a shout out here and say, yeah, Baz, Baza, man of the match for me. Mm, his distribution was great as well. Better, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to overlook him for my man of the match. Um, but yeah, a couple of worthy mentions. I thought, oh, you need to see warrant with his place in the squad I thought he was made some good pro- progression as did Che as well uh, had a few decent chances that he probably should have put away um, but I'm going to give it to uh, Roman Perot ju- not just because of the goal um, but I thought he made such a positive contribution on that left hand side and that uh, I don't know I get the feeling that if Gineppo uh, hadn't come down with some kind of illness that Ralph would have um, stuck him at left back uh, and quite unfairly left out Perot. I'm glad you said that Kev because I, I think that Perot doesn't get the the credit that he deserves yeah, I don't think I, I don't feel like he's as loved as I mean I think he's brilliant he should be one of the first names on the team sheet he is for me the only concern is when you get Livramento back what do you do because he tends to want to switch um Kyle Walker-Peters over to the left to play uh, Liveramento, and that leaves Perro on the bench, and he doesn't deserve it. Whenever he, I feel like he's not playing, it's unwarranted, and I think when he does play, and he puts in a performance like he did uh, yesterday, then yeah, that, that's why he's there. He can offer a lot, so and, he, and he's got a goal on him against West Ham anyway. Yeah, I mean, the back four should select itself, really, and it should be like... Absolutely. ...saw yesterday, but um, yeah, with the better cup chaps... Uh, Injury, I suppose, it's got a question of whether it's Lianco or Chalotar to put in there. But yeah, when Tino does come back, and we haven't really heard anything about 
you know, him being back in training and soon to be ready or whatever. So it looks like he'll still be out for a while, at least till the World Cup anyway. Oh, to so the new I'd, year, yeah. Yeah, I'd give Perot a run in there. And then when Tino does come back, uh, it gives you competition uh, between Perot and Walker Peters, wherever you want to switch about. Rotation, yeah. Uh, Tim, match. I think Perot's left foot is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, he's easily the best. If I had to pick a left foot on somebody on the team, it'd be Perot. A right foot on the team, it's going to be Ward Prowse. Um, so to me, uh, yeah, uh, I think he's. I call him Mighty Mouse because he's like five seven out there and he's furious and he's running around and he's kind of got a square shape too. Um, I, I think I like the guy. I like his attitude. Um, but you are correct. And my man in the match is Bizunu. Um, this, this is the first game in which I have felt and saw full confidence in him. And at no point in time did I think that he would, he lost us the game. I think his, you know, maybe not so much his distribution, but we had 14 corners and there was no goals because of the corners. So if he saw so many times that he was able to snag the ball out of the air, and I think he's he, he is growing in confidence. He didn't he didn't put a wrong foot, and he made some decent saves along the way too. Um, so it's great to see that, and that this was his best game that he's had so far with us. Yeah, and right, I would yeah. love to see him continue his progress because if this is the continue this is the progress going forward that he's going to have from where he was at in the beginning of the season to where he's given he genuinely given up a goal or two um, because of his play to where he's at now if in, and if it continues on no wonder why he was highly touted by Man City and they put a um, a buyback clause in it Bournemouth then Tim I'm <laughs> Away, Bournemouth away, Wednesday the 19th, 7.30 kickoff at the Vitality. It's also live on Prime Video. Uh, biggest wins against Bournemouth then. We had a couple of three ones. There was a, a 3-1 in 2011, 2016 and 1955, although that was Bournemouth and Boscombe. So not AFC Bournemouth, but still. Uh, and a 3-0 win in the FA Cup of March 2021, if you remember. That was last uh, year. Match, yeah, yeah it was, yeah. Um, uh, head-to-head, Saints have won 15, Bournemouth have won eight, and there's been nine draws. Not a lot of games between these two, actually. It's um quite surprising, considering we're rivals and all that, but yeah. <laughs> uh, Tim, yes, are we going to keep that clean sheet? Are we going to get that clean sheet and get three points uh, at the Vitality on Wednesday? It's plausible. Uh, I want to I want to I, like I think I want to total I want to toe the line and kind of say you know what it, what is the likelihood of it uh, it's the high it's one of the highest chances that we'll have all season and seeing that you know who are we, are we going to be secure at the back um, I think you're going to see Salusu and DCC start um, you know what are, who are they going to match up against they have they have uh, Dominic Solanke they've got Phil Billing and Marcus Tavernier, Ryan Christie, you know, Anthony, I mean, they've got they've got some attacking presence there. But does anybody scare me outside of because Solanke's finally come into his own. Uh, he used to be that uh, Liverpool signing to, for Bournemouth where they thought, oh, he wasn't going to do great. Well, last year in the championship, he was absolutely fantastic uh, between him and Mitrovic. Uh, they were just going at it and just pummeling goals here and there. So to me, what to look at and Bournemouth's fixtures, like I said, for the last uh, few games uh, since that 9-0, they have not had they have not had a loss. So one, two, three, four, five, six games that they've either tied or won. So their form is absolutely fantastic. Uh, Gary O'Neill has took them into uh, what is now a success uh, has been a successful run of run of play. And. I think we're going to match up with them head to head. So if it's, uh, you know, what are we going to be able to do? How are we going to be able to get that? Um, we're going to have to expose Chris Metham, uh, Ryan Fredericks, uh, Adam Smith uh, at the back and hope that they're going to have an off game. Lewis Cook or Jefferson Lerma, they're just not going to be there. They're going to have so they're going to finally cave in after the last six games and going to come back to what would be reality to them and hopefully play like the championship team that, uh, they end up getting relegated two years ago. Uh, so to me, uh, overall, you know, we're not going to see Jack Stevens. Love the guy. Hope he's on the, hope he's at the stadium and we can see and get a um, 
get a play, uh, get, you know, get him a, get a shot in the stands. Cause, uh, JFC is always, uh, that type of, <laughs> right, that type of guy. So, uh, to me, you know, what are we going to do? Uh, how are, how's our formation going to line up? It is going to be a four, two, three, one. Uh, I absolutely expect that. And what are we going to do? I think DCC, I think Salisu, KWP, I think Perot. I don't think Larios is going to come in. I don't think uh, they're going to, well, they don't have any cover for right back now. Uh, Ward Prowse, I could see Diallo coming in, and then I could see the rotation with the top four, whether it be with Mara. Um, I think it, I do think those will be the first start for a dozy. I think that's the type of te- that's the uh, the type of game that he's going to be good for. Um, he's going to have the flair. He's going to have a presence, and he's just going to run amok going. So through. hang on, you think you think Che's going to step out and be ready for Arsenal? You think Elianus is going to step out for a, a dozy, and you think Aribo is going to miss out as well? Yeah, I think they're going to rotate three or four, uh, you know, two or three of the top of the the front four. I think they're gonna they're gonna push for it. Oh God, I, ho- I hope they don't. I, I really hope they don't. I do think there will be some attacking rotation. Uh, you know what to look ahead, where to go, uh, who who really knows? But um, we'll see how much rotation that they have too as well. They've got. I don't think they have a a, a super fantastic starting lineup, but their depth does not drop them so far below. It's not like they have a pure starting 11 or 12 or 13, and then they, all of a sudden it's a massive drop-off. Um, their depth is going to keep them somewhat. If it's a, you know, they're a seven normally, they're going to drop to a 6.5 if they rotate three or four players. It's also, it has to be mentioned as well, that they've got, um, they've got an extra day off. Yeah, so they played on Saturday. Um, they get an extra day off that, and then they don't play again until Monday night. So that has to the uh, rotation doesn't matter so much for them, um, and they uh, go to West Ham. So again, not much travelling to do. So that yeah. you know that has to be something that they they, they they and plus with the five substitutes now, it makes a, a double game week a little bit easier for mm-hmm. you. So they're also used to playing uh, weekend, midweek, weekend mm, last all last year too. Yeah, that's it. So yeah. they're gonna it's gonna just go back into their their rhythm that they're gonna have from last year. They could have an off day game. I think they're going to slide, and I do think that we have a really strong chance against them. Good. And with that, Kevin, predictions. You're up first. Okay. Um, yeah, I think we're going to break the cycle. We're going to win. That is what I want to hear, Kev. But what's the score going to be? 2-1. No clean sheet, though. No. We have to keep waiting. Tim. You're next. This is tough. Haven't thought about it. I know it's the opportunity. I really hope for the win. You want to be optimistic. Uh, I'm going to go with a 2-2. Um, I think it's coming, Kev. I think the win's coming, and also think the clean sheet is coming. Um, I don't like Tim said. I don't. I just don't feel scared of any of their players. And I think if we we do play the way that we can, we're going to beat them. And I think we're going to do it. I, I got to be positive here. We've got to go out and get this win. And I think we're going to win this one nil. We're going to take, we're going to win ugly for a change. Cause that's something that we haven't done. And we're going to go out there and we're going to do it. So one nil. Yeah. It's going to be a shit game, but we're going to snatch it. I don't care if it's a penalty and it's a dodgy controversial one. I, I, I just, I'll take it. We need a, a, a scrappy one nil win. And I think that's what's going to, that's what's going to happen. Arsenal. <laughs> At home on Sunday, the 23rd of October, that's a 2 p.m. kickoff, and that's at St. Mary's. It's on Sky Sports as well. So biggest wins against them at St. Mary's, then a 4-2 win in 1988. Now, if you remember that one, that was Alan Shearer's first start for us, and he scored a hat-trick. And who can forget that Boxing Day in 2015? uh, A 4-0 win and that absolute stunner from Kuko. I think you were there when you, Kev. That's right. That was amazing. That's probably the best match I've ever seen. (laughs) <laughs> that was good, yeah. Uh, those were the days. Um, head to head then. Uh, Saints, we've won 23 times. Arsenal have won 53 times. Not in close, really, is it? And 28 draws between them. Uh, Tim, this is going to be a loss. <laughs> we all know this, uh, but by how much? Oh man, Arsenal. What? They're on a complete tear this year. So Gabriel Jesus has been an absolute great signing for them. Uh, I think overall, between uh, that has been one of the significant plays that they were missing going in going forward, and his presence up top has really allowed them to th- uh, thrive and succeed. They've got a lot of buy-in from everybody else. 
even though that Emil Smith Rowe has been hasn't really done much for the team. Uh, Zinchenko has only been able to be available for half the games as well. Uh, who is one of their you know quintessential left back signings? Uh, and but you've got players who stepped up. So Zaka has been fantastic for them. Partey has been fantastic for them, albeit under uh, different uh, situations or I, un, uh, less than ideal situations on a personal front. Um, and what are you looking at? Ben White has solidified himself as the right back, even though they had Tomiyasu and even Cedric is still on payroll there as well. Um, so Saka has been fantastic. Martinelli has been fantastic. Uh, rotating, they got rid of Pepe, who was a one-trick pony that got, you know, got called out for it. And what do you know? The only the only bad result they had was to lose to Manchester United away. Uh, they've been dominating their Europa League games. It's just not looking good for us as an opportunity because if they can go and beat Liverpool three-two. Um, they can go to the Arctic Circle and be Bodo Glimt, uh, you know, and scrape away a win, even though they weren't, uh, you know, it wasn't a great game out, uh, for them, but was able to see that they um, they were they're scraping out wins. Uh, you got to win dirty and you're not going to have a, a great games. You're not going to be able to look fantastic every single go round. But I'm scared. I genuinely am because I really want that Bournemouth result to come to play. I really want to win um, as but. Leading into it now, all definitely a loss. Um, what to expect? Where to, you know what to think about? It's you know it's it's we're at home, but we've been shit at home. So what do you what do you want? Let's hope let's hope they get beat down against PSV Eindhoven uh, over the weekend or on Thursday, excuse me, and then we are able to scrape through something and uh, hopefully get a result. Um, what to look for, where to look out. I think we'll rotate back in, uh, thinking if we're rotating a little bit out and put our best 11 out there. And uh, But after three games in a row, I think our best 11 still is Perot, um, DCC, I think it's Salisu, and, uh, and KWP. I think that we're going to be leaky at the back for three games in a row that we're not used to. Predictions then. Um, Tim, I think it's you first on this one. Okay. Uh, we're going to lose 2-0. Oh, okay. I, I, I was expecting that to be a little bit more than that. I think we're going to do a little bit worse than that. I think um, Arsenal are going to going to go to a 3-0 lead, um, and then I think we're going to get one back, a consolation. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to say 3-1 to the Gunners. I think that, surprisingly, we're going to lose... Um, we're only going to lose 1-0. You're joking? No. Nope. Oh, OK. That... It'd, be, it'd be the equivalent of a clean sheet. <laughs> OK, that's not too bad. I, that, I was expecting a lot worse from you, actually. But yeah. Um, OK, so moving on to the Discord then. Uh, Kev, me and you, we went 1-1. Yeah, we did. We did, yeah. Um, along with not very slim Jim and Tony Adams. Not the Tony Adams. Um Nobody else uh, even went for a draw. So uh, Colt is still top of the table on 21, closely followed by you, Kevin, on 18. Congrats. Uh, Super 6. Uh, round 13 was uh, Russ Sayers with 13 points. Uh, round 14, we had a four-way. Uh, Dan Buck, Stuart White, Paul Beasley and Jason Lewis with 14 uh, that leaves the overall with Kevin Jewell on 163 points. He's got a little bit of a gap there now. Uh, fantasy football then, Kev, how's it? Um, yeah, I got 61 points this week, which is um, close to the best four out of five podcasts this week. Just me top. Well uh, done. Um, just looking at how you guys did. I didn't do too too good. I um, made a mistake with um, Jose Saar. I left him on the bench for Henderson. Henderson scored me two and Saar got 14. So that was a big, big mistake. Yeah, um, my, my bench got, would have got me an extra 18 points if I'd used my bench boost. Yeah. I, I, I took a chance with Mitrovic because there was a 75% chance he wasn't going to play. Or he was going to play rather. And I thought I'd keep him in. And, um, and yeah, it paid off. So. Didn't look too hot. I mean, I thought I was going to do better than I did, but um, but I thought it was going to be guaranteed points, and no, but I did not uh, get that. So 39. Uh, Jesus didn't have a great game. Um, De Bruyne was, you know, a solid two. Um, Trip, uh, Trippier, Saliba, and Pope had five and six, or had six and five respectively. Your defence is exactly the same as mine. 
Oh. Uh, Trippier, good. Saliba and Cancelo. Mm-hmm. I got Varane in there as well, who scored me six with a clean sheet. So I got two clean, clean sheets at my back four, which was nice. But yeah, and you got when we've got um, Harland and Jesus as well. We're, our teams are very similar, Tim. <laughs> hmm. Who has but, yeah. Harland and Jesus? Um, yeah, my true. team potentially could have had four clean sheets in the back four if I picked them correctly. Yeah, you've done very well this week. I see Josh Parkhouse has got the same as you, and he's on the same points of the season as well. So, uh, yeah, look at you two go. We're all joint third, then. Um, yeah, in our big league. Um, Josh, Josh Parkhouse and Marlon Ayling Allen. Oh, yeah. 660, yeah. Uh, did better than you see my notes. It wasn't enough to get me too close to him. She's 20, only 22 points, though. That's, that's doable, isn't it? You got that one. Yeah. And yeah, Chris Ambridge in second is only five points ahead of me. Yeah, but a blinding season. Um, oh, I've got a where am I for you. All right. Um, remember, you get a free guess on the first clue and the first clue only. Uh, Tim, feel free to guess along. I will not say if you're right or wrong now. Uh, OK, yeah, this stadium is located 300 miles from St. Mary's. Blackpool. Um, I'm going to say even further, it's at Middlesbrough. Oh my God, you're right, Kev. <laughs> you got it right. How did you do that? That's unbelievable. Well, I know. That's unbelievable. It's 200 miles, so it's got to be further than that. That's that's incredible. I didn't think that was going to happen there. I knew I knew you'd be in the right ballpark, but you've got like Sunderland, you've got Newcastle, you've got um, Hartlepool up there. I thought, yeah, he's gonna he ain't gonna get it on the first one. But yeah, I, that's incredible. Um, I'll read the other clues out anyway. Uh, this stadium opened in 1995, um, currently competing in the championship and sit on the edge of the county of North Yorkshire. Not Cleveland, North Yorkshire. Um, yeah, uh, they reached both FA Cup and League Cup finals in 1996-97, despite getting relegated from the Premier League. Imagine that. It's simply nicknamed Borough with a capacity of 35,000. I am at Riverside Stadium. Riverside. Well done. That brings your score to 22. Five points maximum. That's impressive, Kev. That was impressive. Although once you get that far north and uh, having uh, Kev having been in Leeds, it makes it makes sense that he knows what 300 miles is. Um, yeah. I mean, for me, Blackpool. I mean, I could have said Barrow or I don't know Fleetwood Town. I think is next to is to Blackpool. But well, I, I mean, at least you didn't go down south and go to La Havre or something like that. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, anyway, yes, uh, next week, a, a busy one. We have both Bournemouth and Arsenal games to go over uh, and we prepare you for that Crystal Palace game, hopefully with uh, Romeo Lavia back in the side. And we return to a Saturday three o'clock kickoff then. Um, but until then, up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up at Southampton. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.